welcome. Thank you for listening to this wholesome word by David Entry. The words you catch will change your world. May your story change from this message. Be blessed. Colossians chapter 1. Today I want to read from the verse 19 all the way to 26. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether there be things on earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and irreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under the heaven, whereof I, Paul, I am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to the saints. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together again so we can hear your word preached and taught. No one can teach us but you. Holy Spirit, take us into your word and reveal the mysteries within it to us that we will see wondrous things in your word. What we are not, make us. Where we are not, take us. Who we are not, let us be. All to the glory of your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we spoke about some of the key words of Christianity, which if you don't have an understanding of, you might not be so familiar with the words. You have to be, actually, if you have a proper teacher. You have to be. How can you be a Christian and the word justification is foreign to you? No. Now, first of all, you have to understand, there are people who are familiar with the words justification, reconciliation, adoption, forgiveness, uh, regeneration, um, redemption is a big one, redemption. They are familiar with it, but they don't understand what it really means. That's also not good. It's, it's just not good to be a Christian and not understand because the core and the platform of genuine Christianity is these words or the concepts which the words encapsulate. So if you don't have an understanding of that, uh, it begs the question if you're actually a Christian. Because Christianity is not a feeling. Christianity is even not a decision. I've decided to be going to church because you can always make a wrong decision. Different decisions. So Christianity is not a matter of I've decided. I've decided to stop smoking. I've decided to stop fornicating or stop stealing. That doesn't make you a Christian. When you're a Christian, some things can continue in your life, which you'll find out in the text. But then what makes you a Christian is the fact that you understand that you are a sinner. And Christ died for your sins and you can't meet the standards of God. And God declares you righteous on the grounds of what Christ has done. That's what's called justification. So it's not, being a Christian has not got to do with what you have done. It has everything to do with what he has done, which you believe, which you have committed your living to. That's what makes you a Christian. So in the first place, you won't commit your living to Christ, work on the cross, if you don't think you're a sinner. So Christianity starts with 
you being a sinner or recognizing that you are blessed are the poor in spirit for the earth is the kingdom. You, you have to recognize, admit, and accept that you are a sinner. So the starting of the gospel, as I, I read uh, Acts chapter 5, I stumbled across something I've never really noticed in the verse 30 and 31. This morning as I read it, it says that God, the God, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hung on a tree. You people are culpable. You slew and hung on a tree. But look at the verse 31. That's where I'm going. It says that him has God exalted. Watch this. Christ has God exalted with his right hand to be, watch this, praise and savior. Watch this, this is the key one. To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness. That is where Christianity starts. That's right. He was raised for this purpose. He was crucified and raised for this purpose. To give repentance and forgiveness of sins. Now, how can you be a Christian if you have not come through that door? So when he resurrected just before he left to heaven, he told his disciples clearly in Luke chapter 24, verse 45, Bible says, open their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And then he began to tell them from the scriptures how it was written of the Christ to suffer these things and to be raised. Watch that. That's interesting. To be raised. Say to be raised. Be raised. Okay, so, and raised him from the dead on the third day. And look at that. Look at the next verse. And that repent. This same thing keeps coming up. After the resurrection, what next? Repentance and remission of sins. Remission of sins means your sins have been taken away. Forgiveness of sin. Listen, forgiveness of whatever sin you carry is possible in Christ. That's where Christianity starts. How can you be a Christian whose sins have not been forgiven? How did you become a Christian? How did you become a child of God? Carrying this sin? No, you can't be a child of God and carry sin. It's, no, it's, it's, it's incongruent. You can in today's text you will see how to present us holy, blameless. Yes, yes, yes. So where is sin? No, it's it's on the cross. Where are your sins? They are on the cross. Wow. That's where Christianity so you can't have Christianity without a cross. Wow. It's religion, that's not Christianity. Ah. There can never be Christianity without a cross. And no one can ever enter the church without coming through the door of the cross. The cross is the only door that allows people to be part of the church. Yes, 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 yes. We can have your names on our books, but it doesn't mean you are part of the church. Yes. If you haven't come through the cross, the door of the cross, the only door through which anyone can become a Christian, through which anyone can become a member of the church, through which anyone can become a child of God, through which anyone's sins can be forgiven. Okay, your sins will be forgiven. On what grounds? How can God arbitrarily forgive sins? Because today is, is a good day. It's in a good mood. So, okay, you know, I, you can't be a judge like that. Redemption is legal. It's judicial. Our redemption is judicial. It's based on justice, system of justice. It's not arbitrary. Oh, God, I feel God said, because of the way you are crying, because of the way you are sick, because of the way things are so bad, God is so good, so let him do something about your wealth. He can't do anything for God so loved the world that... He's done it. That whosoever believes you not perish, so if you are perishing, blame yourself. Don't blame God. Because he has done something about your perishing. If there's God, why are people suffering? Why have you accepted the provision of God? Before you open your mouth and just talk, 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 advertise your ignorance. God has made a provision for the suffering of humanity already, so that whosoever believes in him should not perish. And you are crying, out, why are people perishing if there's God? You, you are a very bad person, you, for asking that kind of question. <laughs> so justification, redemption is a key word. What it means to be a Christian, you are redeemed. Redeemed, let me, let me say a little bit about redemption. Where you are a slave, have been sold on the slave market. That's why Satan has a field day in your life. What you need is not deliverance. What you need is salvation. Christ. Because salvation comes as a whole package. He's able to save to the uttermost. It comes as a package. So your sins, are so sweet that when he's saving you, he forgives your sins first so that you can come to God because you can't come to God with sin. So he has to forgive your sin. On what grounds? He has to pay for the sins. The wages of sin is death. And so Christ has to die 
shed his blood to the mercy seat. You remember the mercy seat? The only thing that the mercy seat is meant for is to put the blood of atonement, the blood of... So when they sinned in the olden days, they, when they are coming to God, they need animal's blood, goat blood, because human blood is not good enough to cover human blood. And if you kill the one who God wants to have a relationship with, then how can God relate to the person? So the person must live by sin is the problem. Blood must cover the sins. So God instituted a temporary system. It wasn't effective. It wasn't comprehensive. It wasn't holistic. It covers their sins, but it couldn't take away their sins. Because how can you give the life of a goat for a life of a human being? No. You can't, you can't say, let the goat live and let the man die. The value of human being is the highest of anything on earth. Not even a boat, not even a car. If a spaceship is about to crash or something, if they can manage to get the human being out, they will do it. It doesn't matter the cost of their plane. The cost of the aircraft, it doesn't matter. It's the human life. It doesn't matter what type of human being. The race, it doesn't matter. It's a human being. So you can't give anything in exchange for human life. So those of us who are exchanging your life for money, changing your life for a boyfriend or something, changing your life for, uh, you're making a mistake. What does it profit a man? If he gains the whole and lose your actual soul, nothing compares. So when you put the whole well on one side of the scale, and you put one human being on the other side of it. So long as God is concerned, the human being outweighs the whole world. And so now, to save a human being, the blood of a goat cannot do it. But then, Jesus hadn't come yet. And God also had to deal with his people. But these people have sin. And God is too holy to accommodate sin. So what is he going to do? He has to institute a temporary system that will get the sin covered by atonement. So they slaughter the lamb, and the lamb definitely must be faultless, blameless, white. It's not, it shouldn't be a sick lamb. And so for that matter, Bible says that the high priest must examine the lamb. Exodus chapter 12 from verse 4. Bring it. You have to keep it for, I think, a few days. And then the high priest will examine the lamb. That's why Jesus was scrutinized by Pontius Pilate, by the high priest. They had to charge. Pontius Pilate said, I've searched him. There's no fault. I've not found any fault. I keep searching him. The guy is blameless. So what should I do? Okay, so okay, let me release this faultless one. Let me kill this murderer called Barabbas, son of Abbas. Let me kill the murderer and let me. They said, no, 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 no. Give us Barabbas. Kill the innocent man. But Pontius Pilate said, but what, what, what has he done? He said it four times. But I find no fault in him. In fact, when you queried them, that what charge do you bring against this? They said, if he hadn't done anything, would we have brought him to you? No. John chapter 18, he was asking them, okay, you, what crime, what has he done wrong? Just tell me so we can start the proceedings from there. He said, what, verse 29, said, Pilate then went out and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? Look at the answer. He said, if you haven't done anything wrong. Yeah, I know he has done. So you tell me what he has done wrong. They answered, if he were not an evildoer, would we have uh, delivered him up to you? They couldn't, they couldn't even find reason why they are breaking. So now when they were under pressure, John 19, verse 4, Pilate then went out again and said to behold, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I, the expert who has been trained to examine and find fault, I have, that's the highest court of them, the human world. I have examined him thoroughly. The International Court of Justice. <laughs> I've examined him thoroughly and I find no fault in him. Find no fault. Look at verse 5. Then Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and all that. Pilate said, that's, that's a man. If you want to talk about a man, a kahoma, behold a man. This is the typical example of what a man should be. This man. He said, behold the man. Ekahoma. And then the next. Therefore, when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said, you take him and crucify him. For as for me, I find no fault in him. They said, no, we can't crucify him. You have to kill him. <laughs> you said he's faulty. I don't fault. So you are making me do what is wrong. 
You are forcing my hands to do what my conscience cannot allow me to. Ah. And my wife too has come to warn me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I can't, I can't. You see, Jesus standing Pontius Pilate, it wasn't Jesus who was being examined, it was Pontius Pilate. Wow. The man was so holy, his presence before the judge of the human system was making the human system faulty. Don't follow what society says about the church's teachings. Don't follow what bishops who are following society say about the church's teachings. The church's teaching is punching holes in social philosophies. It will always, that's Jesus. Jesus before Pontius Pilate was a big problem for Pontius Pilate because it was exposing the flaw in human judgment. Well, let's go back to the text. So the high priest must find no fault. The lamb must be blameless. So once it's blameless, now they slaughter it and you can eat the flesh, but the blood is what is needed. The blood has always been preserved. God warned them several times in the Old Testament, never eat the blood, never eat the blood, never eat the blood. Why? Because the blood is for atonement. Reflecting the blood of the lamb. So then, they use the blood, and then Moses or the high priest will present the blood on the mercy seat. So that God can now begin to have relationship with his people because the sin, which is a problem, has now been covered by blood. Shout hallelujah. So, this is the one who has sinned. This is the one who is examined, and this is the one who dies. And the blood is used to cover the one who has sinned so that God can still have a relationship with his people. It was a shadow system. Mm. Have you heard that term, shadow uh, home secretary? He's not home secretary. No. (laughs) It's just shadow. He hasn't won unless you know one has put it. It's just a shadow. It's not the original. It's not the original. In the same way, what Moses was doing was not original. It was just a shadow. Pointing, said, so John the Baptist, Bible says that John chapter 1, verse 29. And the next day when John saw Jesus coming to him, he said, behold, the lamb, God himself have the lamb, not the Israelites, the lamb, they bring, the lamb, God himself have a lamb, which now he takes away, not covers. So now what I'm saying is that, you, we have to understand that God has God instituted a, a system of justice because without shedding of blood, there is no remission. As he said it in Hebrews chapter nine, he said, "Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins." So therefore, Hebrews nine twenty-two. For according to the law, this is we are talking on legalities. God is a God of justice. Why should He forgive you your sins? grounds. He'll break a law. So according to the law, almost all things are paged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. And that remission means remission of sins. Without blood, sins cannot be forgiven. So how come you are claiming your sins are forgiven? Without coming to the cross? Hey! Where do you get idea from? Ask any religious person in the world or any religion in the world if they can guarantee forgiveness of sins. Islam will tell you that you can't know. Even Muhammad said he doesn't know. When we die, we'll find out. Why do you have to wait to die before you find out if your sins are forgiven? When you can do something about it when you are alive? Why should I risk that? If I die and I find out my sins are not forgiven, where am I going? Hell! But what, what, what? You see your question. But why should God send someone to hell? Tell me why God shouldn't send someone to hell. Because God is so good. Are you trying to tell me all our judges are so cruel and wicked? Every judge is cruel and wicked for sentencing a rapist to prison, a murderer, a serial killer to lifetime in prison. You are telling me the judge is wicked? For sentence, why? Because he's also a human being, and the one who has been sentenced to prison, life, he must live. so why do you think he's a judge? Even if that's his son, for justice to be met, he has to sentence according to the law. He's not there to represent himself. He is there to enforce the law. And God is a righteous 
And he's supposed to enforce what his legal system says. And his legal system says the soul that sins must die. His legal system says without blood, there cannot be taken away of sins. So how come you are coming into God without your sins being removed? He's too holy. He has to kick you away. But the question I said, why is God sending people to hell? Because he's a judge. It's as simple as that. Hell is prison. (laughs) Yeah. And anyone who is guilty. <laughs> Soldiers, carry him away. It's in your Bible. Luke chapter 16. Bible says that the rich man died. Lazarus died. And Lazarus was carried by angels. And the rich man was also carried into the Hades. You'll be carried. Whatever you do, somebody will. You'll be <laughs> carried by the angels. And the rich man died and was buried. And what happened? He was also taken away. Yeah. And he was in torment. Torment. Do you think he was being tormented because he was rich? You are deceived to think like riches don't send anybody to hell. Yes. Riches don't send people to hell. So those who plan on being poor, you are wasting your energy. It's your whole problem. Riches don't send anybody to hell. Okay, let's go back to the test because I have a lot to cover. Is someone getting something at all? Commandos, they shouldn't put such riches, but in the living God. Did you see that? Who gives us richly? So God doesn't mind you having things richly. To enjoy. To enjoy. But the problem is when the riches have you. Some people think they have riches. No, they don't have riches. It's the riches that have got them. So God has a legal system in place that when anybody sins, death is the legal answer. The wages of sin, don't forget this, is death. So the wages of sin, you don't have to do too many, one. <laughs> so those of you who have been saying, yes, I've not done too many bad things, I'm talking about you. The wages of sin, yeah, only one qualifies you to die in the sight of God. Not murder. You are out. You will die. Hell. So now that poses a problem. If we have to deal with God before whose eyes all things are naked, according to, <laughs> according to Hebrews chapter 4, yes, verse 13. It says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his eyes, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God can see everything. So he can, it's not a police, sometimes you know a police can stop you. He didn't realize that you have crossed two red lights already. He just saw this one. So he said, this is the first time I've seen you, just be careful. But he doesn't know that you've done. Yeah. Like the way you say, well, we did it only once. Most fornication that get caught is always once. <laughs> once. But human judges, human judgments will get. But God, everything is naked. You can't lie to God. And yet He washes, washes. The, the scariest bit is, and yet He cannot stand sin. Many people in the morning day church don't know that truth about God. You don't know that truth that, that God cannot stand sin. Tell somebody, looks like this your message. <laughs> but pastor, but pastor, two questions then. What is sin? Because I need to know you, what the one you know. The one. Let's, let's leave the one you don't know, the one you know. That's the one I'm talking about. The one you know. But then pastor, if you say that, then there's no hope for anybody. Because we are all sinners. Yes, that's why you need blood. That's why you need to always be in Christ. Bible, Jesus said, abide in me. You, you don't abide, you are a vista. <laughs> you use Christ like Uber. <laughs> to help you get from one job to the other job. From one health, good health to a health challenge. So when you need a solution, then you use him as Uber. Yeah. 
but you are not abiding in. He said, if anyone abides in me and my word abides in him. John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus said, if you abide in my word and my word abides in you, you have to stay there. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, it says that, that Christ will dwell in your heart by faith. Can you imagine? And he was writing to believers. The Greek word dwell is katoikio. Yeah. <laughs> it's katoikio, which means that Christ will dwell in you and be at home in your heart. Some of us, you know Christ is not at home in your heart. <laughs> he's, he's really very uncomfortable in your heart. <laughs> he's, he's not relaxed. There's no all-around rest for, for him in your heart. <laughs> As you see, that amplifies that Christ through faith actually dwells, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your heart. That is talking about believers. Yeah. Wow. That Christ will permanently, when you are home, when you are at work, when you are on a holiday, when you are watching movies, when you are on edge, when you are upset, Christ still. Settles in your house, in your heart, by faith. Someone say hallelujah. So that's why we have to abide in Christ. So the problem of humanity is sin. What kind of preacher is this who is just completely silent on sin? Meanwhile, the problem between God and man is sin. Not crying, please. Sin. Non-misbehavior, sin. Excuse me, those of us who call it human weaknesses. Is the human weak? Those what your so-called human weakness that's going to send you to hell. If you don't mention sin, there's no need for hell. So we are behaving like hell doesn't exist. Meanwhile, Jesus spoke more about hell. But all I need is money. I need a good job. I need a good life. After that, what? Haven't you seen people with all that you are rushing for who are committing suicide? Many people have what you have and are even emptier. What you want, what you are dying for. They have it and are emptier than you. So, what I was trying to say is that God has to put a system of dealing with sin. But there's no system that can deal with sin. So he had to put in a temporal shadow system until the Lamb of God himself shows up on a sin to take away. So you can't be a Christian without knowing that sin is a problem. Or sin was a problem. When you become a Christian, you don't have a problem with sin. But Master, I've been struggling. No, 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 you don't understand it. You don't have a problem with sin if you stay in Christ. You don't don't have a problem with sin. All right, so now let's go back to the text. Well, I think somebody's getting something anyway. Verse 19 says that for it pleased the Father that in Christ should all fullness dwell. I spoke about it last two weeks and last week. What I, I want to draw your attention to is this word, please. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, it talks about this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It wasn't like sufficient for God to dwell in Christ. When Christ was on earth, it was the habitation of God. No, it was good. God it's like nothing could contain God apart from when Christ showed up, okay? So when Philip asked him in John chapter 14, that show us the Father and it's enough, he said, what you are asking for, you are looking at. He said, Philip, what you are asking for, you are looking at. You are asking to show that I'm the Father. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So he was the, uh, according to Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, the God who cannot be seen has now been seen in Christ. Jesus said, no one has ever seen, John 1, 18, no one has ever seen the Father, but the only begotten, the monogenes, who is from the Father's bosom, he has defined him, he has exegeted him, he has revealed him, he has displayed him, he has explained him. So then, the point I'm making here is that God dwelt in Christ, But the beautiful thing from Colossians is it wasn't just enough for God to dwell in Christ. God was so happy to be dwelling in. So he said, he he pleased the Father. Can you imagine? It pleased the Father. 
like a bride who has been taken to a wonderful wedding room. It pleased the father that in Christ, fullness, he's so happy that every aspect of him should dwell in Christ. Please the father that in Christ should all fullness dwell. <laughs> Hallelujah. That is amazing Christ. Then someone sits somewhere and says, oh, Christ is just a prophet. You have missed it. Christ is just a good teacher. You've missed it. Heaven was happy that in him all fullness would dwell happily. He found a resting place on earth for once. For once. The one who dwelleth in the bush. Moses said, the blessings from the one who dwells in the bush. That's where he met God. God was homeless. He was hiding in the bush until a day when a man will walk on this earth and he said, finally, I found a resting place. I found a resting place. And God, in his fullness, dwelt in Christ whilst he was alive. So Christ said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He said, I and the Father are one. Hallelujah. Now, verse 20 says that, so it pleased the Father that in him all to, and having made peace, say peace. peace. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 15 talks about he made peace. Christ is a peacemaker. Having abolished in his flesh, that's also another thing, the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinance. Can you imagine? When he was dying on the cross, he was destroying some things. He didn't only crucify sin. He didn't only crucify flesh. He didn't only crucify the devil. He didn't only crucify um, the, uh, uh, our sin. He also crucified the law. <laughs> in, his, in the flesh, in his flesh. He, the law of command contained in the ordinance for, to create in himself one new man from the two. That's making peace. Bible says that in Colossians 1.20, it says that, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, Having made peace. peace. How did he make the peace? The Say the blood. the blood. Sometimes you see the scripture use the blood. Sometimes you use the cross. This is one of the places where you use the blood of his cross. Combines the two. Say the blood of his cross. It's, it means the same thing. So how did Christ make, how did he make peace? Through the blood. Say the blood. The blood. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12 to 14. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. In Luke chapter 22, verse 20. And then finally, you can add Acts chapter 20, verse 28. It all makes reference to the blood. Now look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. It talks about how he has made us kings. For Jesus Christ, the faithful and the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler over all the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us. Oh, oh. Did you see that? In his own blood. How did he wash us? In his blood. See, what washes sin is blood. Please, please, please. That's why I say you can't be a Christian if you have not come through the cross. That's what it takes to wash sins. Nothing washes sin. He said, and the blood of Christ his son, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, it says that, and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. The sin, the wages of which is death, can be cleansed. So you can live. As I said the other time, sin is like tattoo in your body, not on your body, tattoo inside. You can't drink anything to clean it. You can't behave to clean it out. You can't be friend to clean it. Yeah, there's nothing you can do. But there's something that God only can do. By the blood of his dear son, the sinless blood, the spotless blood, the pure blood. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near. What? You were very far. You have been brought near. How did you come near? The blood. So that's what posed the question. How come you say you are in church and you haven't come through the cross? 
makes you a Christian? Yeah, my, my parents are Christians. Please excuse me. It's not got to do anything to do with that. What makes you a Christian? Because I've been going to church. Excuse me. The chairs are also in church. Maybe longer than you. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Your sins must be forgiven by the blood of Jesus. So you must first of all come to him. The brethren, they said brethren and brethren. Acts chapter 2, what must we do? He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, what must we do to you? He said, repent, verse 38. Peter said, Peter said, repent. Let everyone be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission, removal of sins. Repentance is what leads to removal of sins. So you see, you are not a Christian if you have never repented. Huh? Okay, what does it mean to be pre- repentant? Stop doing it. <laughs> you haven't become a Christian. If you have become a Christian, show me when you repented. If you don't have a point in your life where you come to the point that I've repented from my sins, I've turned away from my sins, and I've accepted the, forg- the blood, the forgiveness of Jesus, and I put all my faith in him to live my life for him, you haven't come to that place. You are not a Christian. You are just a churchgoer. I'm preaching the Bible now. Yes, yes, yes. So, he says that having made priests through the blood of his cross, by blood, I was reading about the blood. I think we should do that. I think I would like to read Luke chapter 22, verse 20. Likewise also, the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant. What? So his blood was not just, see those who say, oh, he just died on the cross. No, he was shedding his blood. And the, can I go, I don't want to go too far away, but a little deeper, a little deeper, when he resurrected from the cross and Thomas was doubting, Thomas made a profound intellectual, academic, and a scientific statement, which was very important. The statement was, unless I see him and put my fingers in the piercings, do you know, do you know, unless I see him and the print of the nails, that's important. Yeah. The print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and put my hand in his side. What? No, no, no. You've just been reading it religiously. Watch this. He said two categories. I want to put my finger in the print of the nails and my hand in his side. What does that mean? Those were the avenues through which the blood flowed. Without that, there's this. So watch this. After resurrection, he wasn't wearing the crown of tongues. After resurrection, he wasn't naked the way he was crucified. He was wearing clothes. After resurrection, he looked normal to the extent that some people didn't even recognize him. But what he had, which was still the nail-pierced hands. Thank you for the name. What does that mean? It is the evidence that he has given his blood. That's the evidence. That's the evidence. And that's why I told you last week, when you get to heaven and you are trying to impress God with the good things you have done, with look at how I've done this by my hands, he said, we don't need to see your hands. Somebody's hands is already here. Jesus' hands is showing the nail piercings. It's not the works, but it's the price. Is the price. So he says that they will see him whom they have pierced and they'll regret. Bible talks in Revelation, the one whom they pierced is referring to the blood for redemption. Yes. The blood for redemption. They pierced him so we can have the blood. In John chapter 19, verse 34, the soldier took a sword and pierced his side. And Bible said that blood flowed. Ah, blood. Blood, then after was water. Immediately blood. The point where he shed the blood. So when we are talking about his blood was shed, it was shed for the, rem- for the remission, for the removal, for the cleansing, for the eradication of sin. Yes, 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 yes. The blood. Medical science worked so hard to come up with medicine, medication, or, or remedy for polio. 
Remedy for some sicknesses or something every now and then. They are doing research. Eradication of polio. That one when I was growing up, I had to eradicate polio. Very soon, by God's grace, HIV will be eradicated. Cancer and all that. But, but medical science. But there's one thing that no human being can eradicate, that's sin. So they brought the man who, was, who couldn't walk. In Mark chapter 2, he couldn't walk. They brought him before him. Jesus looked at the man. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees might say, the problem was not the fact that he's healing somebody. He said, sin's forgiven. Who can forgive sin? Their question was, why does this man speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sin? These are, these are experts, religious experts. They said, hey, this guy is not taking this thing too far. And he's, this, Jesus, Jesus was a Jewish rabbi yeah. telling another Jew, you let a Gentile who doesn't understand talk. This is Jewish, and you were saying it before rabbis, teachers of the law, scholars. You look at someone, and he said, your sins be forgiven. They said, this man blasphemed. Ah. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Who can forgive sins but God? God he was alone. just trying to tell them. Tell my Muslim friends. Who said Jesus never said he's God? He said your sins are forgiven. Ooh. Whichever religious leader could ever tell somebody your sins are forgiven. Not even Muhammad. So if he said your sins are forgiven, the rabbis knew that it's only God who can forgive sins. He's saying that I'm God. Yes, yes, yes. He's saying that I'm God. Yes, yes. He's saying that I'm God. Yes. He's saying that I'm God. Yes. If you are intelligent enough, read through the lines. Yes. Read through the lines, you see what he's trying to say. They knew it. Yeah. So how can this man blaspheme by saying that I'll, I'll forgive? That's why they killed him. They killed him because he said I'm God. That's the reason why the Jews killed him, not because he was healing. Yes, yes, yes. The, the only reason why they killed him. And you two are sitting somewhere, you far removed from teachings. Say that Jesus never said he's God. Show me where Jesus said he's God. That's all you know. That's all you know. If I show you, will you believe? Would you believe if I show you other things that no religious leader, including Moses, could say? If I show you, but Jesus said, would you believe? You won't believe it. You won't even believe it because the heart of the fallen man is dark and alienated. That's where we are going. He said that he, let's, I think let's go to the text writer. Jesus, Bible says that, verse 20, but he reconciled all things to himself by the blood of the cross. Can I do Hebrews? Is that okay, please? Then I'll move on to 21 and then we can round up. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12 and verse 14. I like it so much. That's what I was saying earlier on. Look at this. Not with the blood of bulls and goats. Isn't that what I said? Yes. Not with the blood of bulls. I think it doesn't make sense. What are we talking about? Let's go somewhere so we can get the conversation yeah. in a better way. So let's go to 11. I think 11 is better. Yes. But Christ came as high priest of good things to come with the greater and the more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. That is not of this creation. Not with blood of goats and cows, but with her. The Old Testament, they were going to a tabernacle that has been built by man based on God's instruction, though. But it was human made. It was man made. Jesus didn't go into a tabernacle made by hands. He went into a heavenly tabernacle. And now, two, their problem was they went into a tabernacle made by hands with the blood of bulls and goats. They do that because that's all they got. Yes. And God, in His judicial system or judicial programming, allowed for it to temporarily cover their sins. So God had allowed it. So He said, "Okay, you just come. You can't find it. Just come with the blood of bulls and goats. Come." So Jesus Christ did not go with the blood of bulls and goats. The only one who watched this. Hey, can you imagine? He died on the cross, shed all His blood. And while they were beating him, the blood that was trickling, the eternal spirit, the Holy Spirit, was collecting the blood. Eternal spirit. And on the cross, when the blood was shed, the eternal spirit collected the blood. And then when he resurrected from the dead, he took his blood and presented. Because you must be alive to present. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so he entered into the most holy place, having obtained eternal with his own blood with his own blood, his own, this is very interesting. The person who, that's why when he appeared to John in Isle of Pat, he said, I am he who was dead. 
and behold, I am alive forevermore. I am he who lives, was dead, and behold. <laughs> Shall glory! So he liveth, so he died, resurrected as a high priest now. Because every high priest must have something to offer. Two, and must be from amongst men, according to Hebrews chapter 5 and chapter 8. You must be from amongst men, and you must have something to offer for what? For sins. So in the old days, they were offering for their own sins first, because they are not different from the people. And then for the sins of the people. But this our Christ. He is a sinless one. So in Hebrews chapter 7, he said, such a high priest is fitting, verse 26, such a high priest is fitting, such a high priest is fitting, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separated from sinner, and has become even higher than the heavens. So anyway, let's not go into the high priest. He took his blood and presented his blood in the holies of holies. Because that's the only blood that can take away sins. The other ones of bull, bulls and goats, according to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4, it says that, for it is not possible. Is there? Let's all read it from the screen. It's not possible. So why did God give it to them? I told you, it's just a shadow system. It was accumulating the blood, accumulating the blood until the Lamb of God comes and takes away the blood of history and the blood of future and the present. So before you became born again, he has taken care of your, your sin by his blood. So as soon as you come into Christ, you activate what the cross has done. So he forgave us on credit, and those other ones in the Old Testament, he forgave them on credit, and then we are forgiven in advance. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Uh, am I preaching a Christian gospel? If you are a Christian, these are the things you must be a master of. You must know these things. So they were butchering and intimidating the church of Colossae. Paul had to write and get this Jesus thing settled once and for all. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a good teacher. He didn't die as a martyr. He gave his blood, and the blood was not shed in vain. The blood forgives sins. The blood cleanses sins. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 9, he didn't finish verse 14. Look at verse 14, I'll just jump out of it. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal, did you see that? The eternal spirit offered himself without, did you see? Now when we say without spot, it should make sense to you. When they say, watch this, when they say without spot, you remember without spot? Pontius Pilate said, he has been examined. Hey, he has been examined. He's spotless, blameless, without blemish. Bible says that such a high priest fitting for us is holy, harmless, without sin. He's apart from sinners, undefiled. So he presented his blood. Without this blood is faultless blood. But back again, Hebrews chapter 9. Please, how much more the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot, cleansed your conscience from dead works to serve. How come you've started serving God and you have not been cleansed? You say I've started doing church. You have not been cleansed. You haven't asked for forgiveness. Your sins have not been forgiven. You haven't admitted you are a sinner. You haven't come to Christ. You haven't come through the cross. And so the cross just as a matter. It's a matter, my death of a matter. No, 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 it's not. It's not. He died for our sins. He died for our sins. He died for our sins. So Bible talks about how through the blood of his cross, through the blood, say the blood of the cross. Say it again. Say the blood of his cross. That's what makes us Christians. That's why some religions can't stand the cross. That's why atheists, you wear a cross, it becomes a problem. You can wear any other religious thing and sit in schools and airports. It doesn't matter. If you make a mistake and wear a cross, what is it about the cross that offends the devil so much? What is it? is the blood of the cross. 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 Can I, can I, can I finish by veering a little bit into verse 21? Now, it's because it's a conversation. It's a conversation. It flows. It pleased God. It pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell, and that through him he will reconcile all things to himself, heaven and earth. How? Through the blood of his cross. Now look at the next verse. Through the blood of, and oh, he's brought us in. You see your condition? If you are not in Christ, you are in church, but this is you. 
If you are not in Christ and are in church, this is you. You who were once, your own is not where, who are now? You were once, and see when they say alien, 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 you are the alien. Alien, itty. Alien. He said, but those of us who have come through the cross, hallelujah. He said, and you who once were alienated, oh, so look at two problems. One alienated, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, it talks about we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. <laughs> commonwealth didn't start from uh, Queen Elizabeth. Commonwealth, is there? So you in times, but without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth, the wealth that God made available to Israel, you are not part of it. When God was calling his people, you are not part of it. You are far from God. You are strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in this world. Can you imagine? No. You have a car, but you don't have hope. You have a husband, you don't have hope. You have a wife, you don't have hope. You, you are in government, but you don't have hope in this world. Hopeless, without God. Why should I envy such a one? You have money, but you don't have hope. I can't envy you if I'm in my right senses. Without hope, without God, I pity you, in spite of where you work, in spite of what car you drive, in spite of what your status is, in spite of who you are. You, you are without God. Men call you your excellence. Men call you your highness. Men call you your bigness. And yet, without God. And you too, you think you are important? You are happy. Happy. Coronavirus showed up. See the way you were shaking? You are so much afraid. Honorable. Oh, God, chief. Prince, chief executive, COO, CFO, UFO. (laughs) Bishop, apostle, but you are not a representative of Christ. Without God, you are a bishop, but without God. Oh yeah, obviously, you know, there are a lot of bishops in these modern days who are without God. Bishops, a lot of them. A lot of bishops, archbishops, priests, pastors, Mm. prophets. (laughs) (laughs) Without God. Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Without God. And you purport to be a teacher of God's people. When you are without, you yourself, you are without God. You only carry a title of a prophet. Meanwhile, you are a prophet maker, not a prophet. Without God, without hope, when they say you are alien, that's what they actually mean. But um, it says that you also, we were aliens. You, all of us were like that. All of us were like that. All of us. Uh, Someone say we are all children of God. No, we are all aliens from God. No children of God. Without God, you were like that. And there are two problems, alienated and enemies in your mind. In your mind. The mind of a fallen man. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. It talks about in the futility of their minds. Futile. Futility of their minds. Bible says that this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, vain, they became vain in their thinking thinking because although they knew God did not glorify him as God nor were thankful but became futile in their thoughts some translation said they became vain in their, vain in their imaginations the mind is vain godless minds are vain even though well educated yeah. Yeah. the biggest problems of our time is it not stemming out from well educated people well-educated people, but it doesn't mean you know anything about God. Bible says that they became vain, 
futile in your thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Colossians chapter 2, verse 18 talks about vain minds, fleshly minds, vainly puffed up by their fleshly minds. <laughs> you see, fleshly mind, that means godless mind. Vainly puffed up, proud. You're trying to talk to somebody else. Hey, I don't do that crap. You tell, I'm going to judge you. I love you. You, ha, you do it. <laughs> Don't worry, vain minds. Don't. So those of you in universities and lecturers and people who suppose anything, they are very academic, are mocking you. Don't mind them. Their minds are vain. Some of them tell you, I have been in church before and I know the Bible. I also dare to put you, the church you were in was not a Christian church. Ah. You were in church but never in Christ. Mm. Yes. You never tasted the good word of ah. Hebrews chapter 6. Have tasted the good word of the Lord. He said, have tasted the good word of God and the powers of heaven. You never tasted it. You never. You were never exposed to it. I feel so sorry for you having been misled. Some of you have met people who said, I've always been in church. I've always been in church since my infancy, year. Now I don't do church again. You, and they actually suppose they know God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I find it so laughable. They suppose they know God. I know all this Christian thing. I know you don't know squat. Tell me about justification. Ah, ah, ah. Tell me about uh, about redemption. Ah, ah, ah. You don't know anything. You are just practicing religion. You are not different from a Hindu, a Muslim, someone practicing Judaism. You are not. Di- religion is all the same anyway. Whether it's under the guise of Christianity or Hinduism or Islam, and some of you, your parents said we are Presbyterians. If you do this thing, we disown you. It's, it's always different from that, between that and other religion. Some people, Hindus, hey, you want to bring shame to our family? By going to practice Christianity, you are bringing shame. But no genuine Christian can ever force you, even if he's a pastor, he's a bishop, yes. he's, a, he's your father. If you choose, you can go to hell. He can't force you. No one can be forced to be a Christian. It can never happen. It can never happen. Nobody can. Other religions you can force people to be. And Christianism, you can force people to be. But when it comes to in Christ, ah, you can't be forced for your sins to be washed by the blood. No one. It's a personal decision. So it talks about how we were enemies, enemies in your minds through wicked works. Fair time not permit me to comment on wicked works, but I think you should define it for yourself. Wicked works. Yet. Romans chapter 5, verse 10, it says that if when we were enemies, <laughs> if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, can you imagine? On what grounds? He said, yet has he reconciled. Look at it in Colossians. We were enemies and wicked, yet has he reconciled. How? Look at the next verse, then I'll end on that. Yet has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. Let no one deceive you that the death of Christ was just one ordinary death. No, it was work of Christ. The death of Christ was the work of Christ. On the, cr- on the cross, he wasn't just dying. He was actually working. That is why he could tell people, today you'll be with me in paradise. He could tell others, Father, forgive them for their sin. He could be communicating with God. Now, the one who crucified him, the people, the soldiers, the centurion was surprised the way he was able to scream. And he concluded, no, in the book of Mark, he said, no, this is the son of God. The way he was talking on the cross, this is not how people die. This man was working. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw, when he saw that, uh, 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 saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was... He said, no, I've been killing people, crucifying. Jesus was not the only one to die on the cross. So allow people to wear their cross, please. Because maybe the cross they are wearing is not about Jesus. It's the same one who's cross. Why are you so fixated on the cross? Jesus was not there in those times. Over 30,000 people were also crucified on the cross. What is this so special about Jesus that now the cross represents only Jesus one? Meanwhile, on the day he was dying, there were other two. Two criminals. How about their crosses? Let people wear that one too. Yes. 
When you wear a cross, someone's making noise. Tell them, no, I'm not. This is not the cross of Jesus. It's the cross of the thief. <laughs> so, his death on the cross was not martyrdom. He was working. Once he was on the cross, he was working. He was working. He was bearing sins. Ah, the sins of Moses. The sins of Abraham. The sins of all the Jews. That was laid aside. It was packed, heaped aside. According to Hebrews, he says that the sins that were committed previously, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15, sins that were committed previously, and the sins that are now. So he, whilst he was on the cross, all were being heaped on him. And then whilst it was being heaped, he was also telling people, your sins are forgiven. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. For this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant. So the transgression, he redeemed that, not only the ones ahead, the ones because this is the Son of God, he was slain, the Lamb of God was slain from the foundation. So there's no sin that is older than the foundation of the world. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, it said, you are redeemed from the vain. You see, the vain thing has appeared again. Vain, vain, vain. Vain conduct, vain conversation of your fathers. He said, you have been redeemed. He says that, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from the vain conversation received from the addition from your fathers, but what, look at this, but with the, oh, precious, precious, blood of Christ, as of a lamb. Did you see that? Did you see that? A lamb without spots or blemish? It keeps appearing, but when you have not been taught, you will see it. And you think it's just a, an adjective to describe a word. And now, so it's just adjective to make it look very complicated in reading. No, it's carrying a statement, a message. He was without spot, without blemish. Christ's blood, without blemish. How dare you trivialize it? Let me finish this, let me finish. Is someone learning something or it's too much? Colossians, back, back to Colossians. Let me finish on this Colossians. And you, who was one, were alienated, uh, uh, and, and reconciled, verse 22, reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present, to present you, hey, me too. <laughs> Can you imagine a sinner like me being presented holy? Being presented holy? Not only holy. Blameless? blameless? <gasps> Not only blameless, above reproach? In God's sight, who everything is naked to? Yeah. Hmm. I have not just been reconciled, but I've been reconciled and presented. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. Is it okay to look at that? Oh, the scriptures are too many. No. I feel like preaching. So let the Bible do the talking. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be... Holy. We are chosen to be holy. Sinners being presented holy. Wow. That's what it means to be in church. Sister, I know you haven't thought about it, but if you are in Christ, you are being presented Bro, I know you haven't thought about that, but if you are in Christ, you are being presented Holy. holy. So, to present, look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. Ephesians 5, 27. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that we should be holy and without blemish. What? So that's the agenda of God. That we are being presented to God or to Christ himself without blemish, holy, without spot. But first, he had to reconcile us through the death of his cross or uh, the body of his flesh through death. So his body of flesh, he went to the cross. There's the body of Christ now, but the body of his flesh was what was living in Palestine, in Israel in those days. That's his actual human body. You don't need that one now. And when we eat communion, that's not what we are eating. Because that one is in heaven. It never saw corruption. It was never decayed. It climbed up. Jesus took it. He took the body. He said, body, I have prepared for me. I'll take it up. And he went and sat in heaven on the right hand of majesty. So in heaven now, there's a man, the body of a man. Anyway, let me finish this. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 22, in the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy. I'm talking about holy, blameless. In his, I think I'll end here.
When they say holy, watch this. What does it mean to be presented holy? Being holy is not only about being separated for God. Okay? That's what it means. You are separated. You are set aside. That's what something being holy means. But also in this context, more when they say Christians are holy before God, it means that the nature of God has been infused into us. So we have become partakers of the divine nature, remember? So that nature, so we have actually been distinguished. We are actually at core quite different from every other thing. So it's not just a set aside, but we are also in ourselves have been made different by virtue of God working his nature into us. His holiness, and God is holy. So as he worked his nature into us, we now become, begin to be like him. And automatically, we are way head and shoulders above any other thing on earth or any other beings on earth. And not just that, and he has also set us aside. So he reconciled us to present us holy and blameless in the sight of God. That's what it means to be a Christian. It's not, it's not a cheap thing. I think you should clap for Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. You're welcome to connect with David Entry on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also find more spirit-filled messages from Caris Church on YouTube and all relevant streaming platforms. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share the message. Be blessed.